This is the Bittersweet and Twisted Records podcast of Vince and Bobby. I'm Vince. I'm Bobby. And this is episode four. Four. Somehow. <laughs> um, in this episode, we are going to do another edition of Treasures from the Bargain Bin. Yes. And for the purposes of this, um, the Bargain Bins, uh, the Cheap Bins, the Beater Bins, whatever name you want to use, that is the um, Bargain Bins usually are priced... Up to $3. Yeah. $3 and less. <clears throat> yeah. So, that is what we use for our criteria. Mm-hmm. When we pick these titles, um, we try to pick ones that... Well, usually, we try to pick one more obscure title. Mm-hmm. And then one more mainstream title that people might have forgotten about. Mm-hmm. And so, for this episode, I have picked... Sabotage's 1985 album, Power of the Night. And I have chosen Faces' 1971 album. Which one? Oh, fudge nuggets. I always forget the... A nod is as good as a wink to a blind horse. You couldn't have picked a shorter album title. I know, I really couldn't. That's why they split the album title up between the front and the back covers. That's true, that is true. (laughs) Um... Oh, goodness. So, um, if you're new to the podcast, thank you for joining us. Mm-hmm. Welcome. If you're a return listener. Thank you. Thank you. Um, let's see. Uh, what do you want to talk about? Uh, well, our, our albums. Did you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Is there anything else you want to talk about? Like how maybe people should visit bittersweetandtwistedrecords.com. Yes, do that. Because there you'll find we have... All the links to our... um, Our store where we have records and CDs and tapes and whatnot for sale. Mm -hmm, As well as merchandise. Merchandise. We have t-shirts and Mm -hmm. things. Our Spotify, Our Instagram. Our our Facebook. Our Spotify playlist. Because... Each episode of the podcast has a corresponding playlist it does. with songs and music from artists discussed during that episode. Yep. Plus, um, we're going to start doing, st- well, we have been doing standalone yep. playlists. Playlist. Um, the, our first one up that we put for the standalone playlist is for punk rock music, yep. and it's 24 punk rock songs. Vince chose 12, I chose 12, um, so it's 24 um, punk rock songs that we that we like yeah and we feel it really um covers the genre all aspects of it mm-hmm. yeah i mean my half up that kind of veers in a little bit of post-punk yeah more than yours does but and mine kind of tends to go more for the early classic British and classic punk so um so we um have been really appreciative of people who listened to episode one yes thank you in the um, first week, it was really um, surprising. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, there's no, we're not advertising other than just us little selves yeah. talking into this microphone and posting on Instagram and so we know, Facebook. So we know that we have some listeners in Germany. Yeah, what up? So Guten Tag. Thank you. Um, thank you to the person in Belgium. Yeah. And I'm sorry to the person on that island Somewhere off of South America. I forget what island you're on. But I don't know. But thank you, too. Thank you. And then we have a bunch of Americans. Yes, Americans. And we appreciate you. We got we to gotta get some British people on here. Come yes. on now. And some Canadians. Yeah, because yeah, our first, well, our first um, 
Treasures from the Bargain Bin was about... Um, I forget who I did. You did uh, Frankie Miller. I did Frankie Miller from Scotland. It's from Scotland. So we... That one is... Uh, and Why? then I did... Um, you did Meatloaf. Meatloaf. Who was popular over popular there. Popular over there. So we definitely... I feel it's like, like we should have guys, some friends over Where there. are you guys? Come on yeah. now. And then this, this week... Come on. Um, We're going to pull know, you in. Talking about faces. So that's another, uh, you know, British band. I know. But we appreciate each and every one of you. Yes. So if you appreciate us... We hope. Make sure that you subscribe, like, mm-hmm. follow, share on whichever platform you're listening to us on. Yes. Um, let people know. Yep. Spread the word. And if we're not your cup of tea, just go ahead and... If you know someone who's someone who cup of tea we may be... That's true. Let them know. Let and, them know. And so they can listen to us because we just uh, want to get out there to everyone. You know, we're just a couple of people who just love music yeah. and we, we just want to talk about it. it. Yeah. And we want to share it with you. Yes. And hopefully, maybe we'll open your ears to something you hadn't known of before. That's true. That's our hope. So, let's get started with <clears throat> some treasures from the bargain bin. Go and for it. I will start. You go ahead. So, my treasure is Sabotage, Power of the Night from 1985. Mm-hmm. And Sabotage were formed in Florida in 1979 by brothers John and Chris Oliva. Yes. They had... um previously been they had their own bands and they mm-hmm. joined together and formed their band avatar now oh, right. chris is a was a self-taught guitar player never had a lesson oh, really self-taught wow. completely and john was originally the drummer did he have any lessons do you know i don't, I don't know well, why did he self-taught so he was originally the drummer but then they got a drummer so he moved the bass okay then they got a bass player okay then he moved up front to vocalist and keyboardist and then his... he never wanted to be up front Okay, so then his brother just kind of stepped back to no. play the guitar? Well, his brother had always been the guitar player. Who was the original singer? I don't know who the original singer oh, okay. was. But, you know, finally John came to the front because okay. he just wasn't interested in being the front. That's funny. But, um... Sometimes you just got to do it for the people. Yeah, so they were Avatar. Okay. And they played around, you know, Florida, cause where they're from. They are influenced early on by Kiss and Van Halen. Okay. But they end up developing their own um, heavier sound. Mm-hmm. Very European sounding like Judas Priest and Iron right. Maid and stuff like that. And um, they recorded their first album, um, Sirens. Okay. And the night before it was supposed to go to the printing press, mm-hmm. they found out there was another band called Avatar. Ah! And so this was um, 83. So they had to come up with a new name. Oh no! So they the 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 John and Chris got together with their wives, and they wrote out on a piece of poster board okay. Avatar, and they knew they wanted to keep like the A V A T. Oh, that's funny. So like we want to keep that part of the logo, right? But they're like, so I think it was John said we want to have a cool S that's memorable like Kit in the Kiss logo. Oh. So they made the S at the beginning. They're like Savitar. They're like. No, that's yeah, not good. And then one of them said, well, what if we took off the R and put like a GE, like in Savage? I love it. And so they're like, Sabotage. And like, and they're like, oh, that's good. That sounds that cool. That sounds good. Like, and recently, John has said, he's joked that in French, Sabotage means something like smelly feet or something. Oh, he's joked funny. about it, but I'm sure it doesn't. But Now, was it um, already like, did they catch it before it went to yes, the Yes, they caught it before. Okay. So it was last minute. Unlike the other. And we unlike, talking. yeah, Night Ranger, yeah. who originally called Ranger, Ranger. they pressed up 10,000 copies yeah. and found oh. out. So they had to change their name. They had to throw out all the album covers. Oh, that would have been a horrible blow. 
and so they released um, Sirens in 83 and then the um, Dungeons Are Calling EP in 84. So in 85, they signed a major label deal with Atlantic Records and they released um, Power of the Night. Mm -hmm. And that was produced by um, Max Norman, who went on to work with Ozzy and um, Megadeth. Okay. And so with the major label album, you know, they had more um, money for tour promotion and all that. So it sold better than the indie stuff. Okay. And they got to tour nationally. And the bands and the fans liked the album, but it sold okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, coming from indie world, the numbers for indie would have been okay. But for a major label, they're kind of like, eh, you could have done better. So that seemed, so when did they, that was in 80? 85. When, when did they form? Um, 79. Okay, so that was still fairly, you yeah. know, in the music world, not uh, not a yeah. lot of time. Yeah. That was fairly quick. So um, Atlantic Records apparently were not terribly pleased with the overt sexual content of some of the songs. No. You know, they had songs like um, Necrophilia, right, Skull right. Session, and Hard for Love. Yes. So the, the old labor, the labor, the label said, all right, we'll give you budget to make a music uh-huh. video yeah. for the song Hard for Love if you change the lyrics to Hot for Love for the single version. Mm-hmm. So the band thought about it and went, nah. I love that. I love that. That's like, you know, like, screw you, big man. So, I mean, which was a pretty ballsy decision to do on your first major label album. That's true. You're like, nah, I ain't going to do it. So, yeah. I mean, Hard for Love was released as a promotional 12-inch, but there was no video. Mm-hmm. So, um, so since, you know, the... the um, I like how they s- stood up for themselves. Yeah. That's great. So, um, the album Power of the Night, we're looking at it right here. Mm-hmm. The one I have... It's a promotional copy, and I got it out of a 50-cent bin. Ooh. So you Sabotage fans out there are trying to get one of these off eBay, you know, dropping 40 to 60 bucks for one. Wow. I got 50 cents. Yeah, I mean, and for 50 cents, it's in um, And the vinyl's in good shape. shape. The cover's a little... Yeah, the cover's yeah. a little warped, but... But um, still, it's pretty... The great. album cover is so metal. It's very metal. First of all, Sabotage have one of the best logos of any metal band yeah, in the last it's... 40 years. It's a, it's awesome logo. Yeah, it's definitely a memorable one. Like you, it's like Kiss. You know, you mm. know, you'll see it. and You know what it is, even if it wasn't the right name. Uh, if you were, you didn't yeah. do one of those. Yeah, it's like those um, quizzes thingies, apps. They have like uh, memorable um, uh, logos. Yeah, and they try to ch- they change the names, but they yeah. use the same style logo, and you yeah. have to guess of what band oh, okay. or what product they were talking about. So it's very similar to that, like Kiss or Sabotage. It's very memorable. And this was the first um, of their albums to feature this logo. Oh, okay. And they've used it. Excuse me. Well, slight. It's changed slightly over the years, uh-huh. but it's the the S and most of the T's and the T and the G have changed a little bit over the years. Mm-hmm. But it's mostly stayed the same. Mm-hmm. And the album cover, it's got like a metal fist. Oh, yeah. Breaking through glass. Breaking through glass. But behind the fist, you can see like a night sky of stars. Yes. And this is probably this is probably inspired by the title track, Power of the mm-hmm. Night, because it has a lyric in it, Raise Which the Fist. Which you made me realize that. Yeah. Raise <laughs> the Fist of the Metal Child. Yes. So it's, it's metal. It's cool. That's cool. Especially for that time period, you yeah. know, it's it's typical what I, you would see like in the middle world. Yeah, I really wish they'd release this image on a do a retro style T-shirt. Oh, that would be fun. That'd be awesome. That would be. But you know, I mean, it's it. I, I personally, I don't think it's as good as the first album and EP. Okay. But there's still some good tracks on here. Most of it's pretty good. Um. What makes you say that? Compared to the first, because I thought the um the first ones the first ones were more um more raw more okay. you know they 
they didn't, there was no expectations put on them. Okay, okay. So it's I mean, like more raw than necrophilia. Yeah. Well, sound wise, <laughs> but <Okay>. you know, <laughs> they had the edges smoothed out a little bit on this. I mean, there's still some heavy stuff on okay. here, and you know, stuff like necrophilia is not going to get you on the radio. <laughs> no. But I mean, as far as like major label metal albums from '85, yeah. it's aged pretty well. Nice. But like I said, um, they were in yeah a little bit of Judas Priest, Iron Maiden. I mean, I might throw in like um. Raven in there too, but okay. I, a little bit of the heavier Dio maybe because they <laughs> toured with Dio in the mid '80s. Oh, that's that would have been a cool show. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a good record. I mean, it's not one of my favorites, but still, it's probably around the middle. Of my, I'm just picturing all the tight jeans and the hairspray hair from that show, probably. and the chains and the spikes. Probably. Oh man, there had to be tons. So um, so after that, you know, record label. We're, we're not th- th- that pleased with them. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sure. Because they, they stood up. But it sold enough for the label to think, okay. we can do something with you guys. Okay. We can make money make money off of you. Yeah. Because, right. you know, back in the 80s when they would actually, labels actually give an al- a band, certain, mm-hmm. you know, some albums to grow on. Like now it's like one or one and done. Right. Yeah. So the record label was like, well, for your next album, you got to be more commercial. And John Oliva had already been writing songs that he wanted to give the other artists because he wanted to stay behind the scenes where okay. he always wanted right. to be. Mm-hmm. And so he was like, oh, I'll use these other songs. And the, the record label was like, no, you're going to record those songs mm-hmm. for Sabotage. And so they um, released in 1986, Fight for the Rock. And um, it, the single from that was a cover of uh, Bad Fingers, Day After Day. Okay. And it's actually not that bad of a cover. Mm-hmm. It's a little metalized, but not too cringy okay but um i mean it sold a little bit better than power of the night but the band and the fans didn't really like it mm-hmm. i mean john isn't hindsight looks at it positively okay because he says enough good experiences in hindsight regarded to it but at the time they thoroughly disappointed so really? after the tour during the tour the band side they were going to break up oh because they you know it wasn't what they wanted to make at the time okay so they were going to break up after the tour and Chris already had an audition set up to join Megadeth, who just formed. Oh, wow. And John was going to fly out to California to audition for Black Sabbath. Wow. To be the singer. So, on the last show, the tour, um, the Atlantic Records A&R man, Jason Flom, brought producer Paul O'Neill to meet the band. Okay. And this meeting, Sabotage, would never be the same afterward. Oh. Because O'Neill, he liked the band. Mm-hmm. And told them that he would help them. He would take care of their debts and help them with gear and wow. get going so they could focus on music and not have to worry about money. So, so they he said, saw enough in them. So too. he said, Yeah, he saw something there. And he said that in exchange, I want you guys to co write with me and let mm-hmm. me produce you. Okay. Because he saw something in them. So they agreed. And their first collaboration with O'Neill was 1987's Hall of the Mountain King, mm-hmm. which is considered by the fans of Sabotage to be a, one of their classic albums. Oh, good. And it took them to another level of songwriting and album sales. And it was during this period that um, O'Neill encouraged um, John Oliva to embrace more of his um, love of Broadway and classical music. Okay. And he's told the Oliva brothers that 
they were too good just to play generic metal. Oh. He saw he, he, he saw the talent in them. Okay. And he said, you guys should explore and expand. So what they did on the next album, 1989's Gutter Ballet. Okay. Which I believe sold half a million copies, and it's been their highest selling album. Okay. And they got some MTV airplay on that one. Mm. And that's where I first heard them. Okay, on MTV. Yeah, the okay. song Gutter Ballet. And a lot Would that of, fit on Headbangers Ball? And I actually got a little bit of airplay on, on Dial MTV, the request oh. show in the afternoons. Oh, okay. Yeah, because back in 89, it was, it was almost all like metal stuff and hair metal. Oh, yes. And a couple, like, then you have, like, Bill DeVoe would be in there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But um, that's also probably the time, well, it was the time when MTV actually played music. Yeah. Imagine that. Imagine that. This whole generation had no idea what we're talking about. No idea. Now it's just all reality stuff. I don't know. Is MTV still on? Yeah. I don't even know. Now it just, MTV doesn't even stand for music television. So. Mediocre TV. Yeah, mediocre TV. (laughs) So that sold well. Okay. And then... Um, so did they embrace that Broadway style? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They started bringing okay. those piano on that album, but it was still, there was still a lot of heavy stuff on that album. So that so how you're describing it is making me flash back to our first episode when I was talking about Meatloaf and that whole theater it, it, rock. It was like... You could describe... Wagnerian. What they were... Yeah. It, you, a heavy metal Meatloaf is what they okay. were becoming. Okay. So that's, yeah, that's what I'm picturing it, it was... Some just really heavy stuff, mm-hmm. but then like piano, it just they were becoming their own thing thanks to O'Neill's encouragement. Okay. And so, in 1991, they released Streets, a, mm-hmm. um, a rock. I think it was Streets of Rock Opera. I think it was the full title. Okay. And that that the Atlantic Records really thought that was going to blow up. Mm-hmm. It didn't. Oh. And um, John was coming. More, um, giving more into his demons, alcohol. Oh, yeah. And so, after that tour, he decided he was going to step aside. Okay. Well, this is John's the brother who did not like to be in the forefront. Yeah. Okay. Now, was before they they went on to do this other um, rock opera style. Yeah. Did everybody in the band were they still okay with that? And everybody went with yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Followed? Well, yeah, because um from. Nobody left is what I No one left at the point. They okay. did have um you saw well you had um Johnny Lee Middleton join on bass, I think, on Fight for the Rock. Okay. And he replaced Keith Collins, who played on the early stuff. Okay. And the drum the drummer at that time his nickname was Doctor Kill Drums. <laughs> so he stayed with them into the nineties too. Johnny Lee Mil- Middleton stayed the rest of the band's career. Okay. But um during the I think it was I I think it was the On the Mountain King tour that um, Chris Caffrey joined his, on rhythm guitar. And he did um, played with him through the Gutter Ballet tour. And he left after that and he didn't do oh. the Streets tour. But after um, John left after the Streets tour, he just wanted to concentrate on writing. He still wrote for um, and co-produced Sabotage. Okay. And he started a side project of Chris Caffrey called Dr. Butcher. Okay. Which was really heavy. Oh. But John's replacement... It's a singer in Sabotage with this um, guy, Zach Stevens. Okay. Who at the time, a lot of people considered the pretty boy. Oh. Um, so with Zach as the singer, they released Edge of Thorns in 93. Well, I guess that's, I mean, John wanted to be in the behind scenes yeah. anyway. So I guess this was kind of good for him yeah. in, in a way. So, um, so they, the, so, um, 
Edge of Thorns a little bit different sound because you had a different singer who's a more melodic. Mm-hmm. Let me say, um, John's voice is an acquired taste. <laughs> okay. Because he has a, a clean voice, then he has like a a gruff voice, and then a shrieky voice. Oh. So Zach is a much more um, melodic singer. Okay. Much more commercial singer, and at the end of the um, Edge of Thorns tour in '93. Chris Oliva was hit by a drunk driver on a head in head on collision oh. and died. So, That's so sad. But John decided, even though he wasn't performing with the band at that mm-hmm. point anymore, he wanted to keep it going as a tribute to his brother because his brother oh. loved the band so much. Yeah. Sabotage was his life. He loved yeah. it. And so John kept it going. And so the next album, Handful of Rain. Mm-hmm was actually most of it was recorded by John himself mm. he did all the music wow um, he really took it upon himself yeah. to make sure he did this right and so um, Zach was sang on it uh, Chris Caffrey came back and then the record label wanted like I, th- I think this is the story I'm not screwing it up wanted a more of a name guitar player lead okay. so they um, Alex Skolnick from Testament came in because he just okay. left Testament Okay. So he did that album and tour with them. Oh, that's nice. But he um, left after because he realized he wasn't going to be a creative force in the band. Okay. Because it was at that point it was Paul O'Neill and John Oliva okay. were writing everything, producing. So after he left, they brought in Al Petrelli, who had played with um Alice Cooper and um, uh, Asia and a whole done a whole okay. boatload of session work. So they did um. So, so once we, again, you see how everybody's super, yeah, it's all, <laughs> super intertwined. So in 95, they released an album called Dead Winter Dead, which was still had, it brought in a lot more classical. Yeah. Each album brings in more classical and Broadway influences. Okay. So by mid-90s, Sabotage barely is, resembled the band, band from 1985. Right, right, who started. I mean, you only had two members anyway. Right. I mean, actually, from 85, well, at this point, um, around the mid-90s, Doc Kildrums had left, and it was replaced by Jeff Plate, who had been in a band previously with Zach Stevens. Oh, okay. So Zach okay. brought him in. Brought him in, okay. So, Dead Winter Dead, I mean, it got good reviews, mm-hmm. and um, they released a single from it during the Christmas season called Christmas Eve, Sarajevo, 1224. Okay, I see where it, this is going. It, don't jump ahead. I'm not. And it got a little bit of airplay. But it got enough that got Paul O'Neill thinking. Uh-oh. He got an idea. And he called John, and mm-hmm. he's like, I have an idea. I need you and the guys to be involved in it. So that's the next year, at Christmas time, the exact same recording was re-released under a new name. Dun-dun-dun-dun. And that new name was Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Yes. So since then, TSO has sold millions of albums and performed multiple sold-out arena tours. And you know their name, because it yeah. comes on every, every year every year on a commercial. And, and it's so successful now that they're, they do the West Coast and East Coast versions of TSO. Right. There's two versions of the band. Each version has Sabotage members in it. Oh, interesting. And so, so they like, split them up. They're like, yeah. all right, you two go this way, yeah. us two will go this, this and, coast. <laughs> and so, and John's proud of it, because it keeps all the members of the band employed. And right. he has said in interviews that, 
they make enough money during yeah. the holiday season, they don't have to worry about money the rest of the year. Oh, that's so nice. And that's nice for, because, I mean, yeah. that's such a big, if you don't know who, who they are, Trans-Siberian. Um, what cave have you been living yeah, in? Yeah, I know. What have you been living in? But also to know that their production, it's a huge it's production. Huge. So that means that they're they're employing tons of people. Yeah. And to know that that could um, cover their costs for the rest of the year from working just that little bit of time during the holiday season, yeah. that's pretty impressive. Yeah. It's pretty cool too. I think that says a lot too to yeah. how the brothers' character and how they were grew, yeah. they were raised. And um, and John has said that if Dead Winter Dead had mm-hmm. sold two million copies, mm-hmm. there wouldn't have been a Trans Siberian Orchestra. Right. Well, yeah, it would have been yeah. gone down a whole other way. Yeah. But he said that it's um, he said it's weird that like he has six platinum albums on his wall, and not one, one of them says Sabotage on it. Yeah. And he said so. He said it makes him. It, it makes him angry to think that it was the name mm-hmm. Sabotage that kept them from success. Yeah. He said, because Sabotage, every time they went on tour, they lost money. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, the success of TSO has been bittersweet for him because his brother's not there. Right. To enjoy yeah, it to with enjoy him. It. And so, so for a few years, though, the, uh, the, the, <laughs> for, <a few coughs> for a few years there, they had TSO going and Sabotage still going. Oh. Yeah, that's a they lot. They would alternate the two because after that, um, Sabotage did the Wake of Magellan album, mm-hmm. and TSO were doing their Christmas stuff. They were probably losing money on Sabotage. Yeah, that's why. So, yeah. so um, Zach Stevens quit after the Wake of Magellan oh. tour, and Sabotage did one more album mm-hmm. in two thousand one. They did Poets and Madmen, and uh, that saw um, John become singer again. Oh, okay. oh well, let me jump back okay. from the handful handful of rain tour on. Mm-hmm. John had joined the band again. Okay, but he played keyboards and would sing a few of the older songs. Okay, and Zach would do the majority of the vocals. So when it came to two thousand one, John sang the whole album hmm. since Zach was gone. Well, now that's how was. Do you think that that was? just as good as an album because now you said Zach had a more melodic sound. Um, John's voice had um, changed since he last sang okay. on a full album. Mm-hmm. It had grown All right. and he had a lot more expression in his voice than he had earlier. And But for a tour for that they hired a singer to sing all the Zach songs. Oh, okay. So, but then after that tour they the band went on hiatus because yeah. like John had said they were losing money. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they made no financial sense to keep doing sabotage yeah. when they had this other thing that was that made so in. much money. Raking so, in the money. So sabotage went on hiatus. But you know, the other guys in the band, they you know, Zach Stevens had a band called Circle to Circle. Okay. Um, John had another band called John Oliva's Pain. And a lot of the early John Oliva's Pain songs were based on ideas that he'd worked on years ago with his brother Chris. Because he found a shoebox of cassettes. And it just had a bunch of riffs that Chris had recorded oh. and hadn't made completed songs out of. So now this was what? Uh, early 2000s. Th- oh, wow. Early 2000s. Yeah. Okay. So, so they kept it going. All the little side projects. And sometimes um, Johnny Lewis Payne and Circle to Circle would tour together. Oh, well, that's And nice. so they would do an encore of Zach and John together doing stuff like Edge of Thorns mm. and whatnot. I love the family, the family idea behind all that. And um, Sticking together. And then 2015, Sabotage reformed. For a one-off show at the Wacken Open Air Festival in Germany. Wow. So, so they the, the way the festival works is they have two stages. So when one band's performing on one stage, their next band's setting up on the other stage. Okay. So they flip back and forth okay, right, to right, save right, time. To alternate. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, Sabotage with John singing, mm-hmm. did a set. His first time, you know, John had been the front man for Sabotage yeah. in decades. Yeah. So, <clears throat> and then they did their set. Then Trans-Siberian Orchestra did a set oh, with Zach so Stevens cool. and a bunch of other guys and some other vocalists. Mm-hmm. And then for the encore, both bands played at the same time. Oh, fun. I bet you that was a really cool yeah. um, experience. So apparently it was filmed, but there was John said there's been a, there was a lot of technical difficulties. Yeah, well, I'm sure. Which is why it hasn't been released on DVD. Okay. Well, I mean, and, there, and you can see some some of it's on YouTube because apparently okay. it was streamed. Oh. So you can see some of the clips from it. It's it's really amazing. I'd love to. Yeah, we'll have to look it up. I've never seen Trans Siberian. I'd love I, to I, see. I would love him. to see it. Maybe yeah. we'll have to see. You know, yeah. holidays coming. Yeah, and as Trans Orchestra have gone on over the years, mm-hmm. they've added more um, sabotage songs to the set. Oh, nice! And now Zach is a member of Trans Orchestra. Originally, he wasn't. So they don't just do holiday songs. No, they actually have a couple non-holiday albums. I always thought that you were yeah. going, you were just going to hear the whole like your typical Christmas no. songs. No, because all their most of their Christmas songs are originals that oh, Paul I didn't and know that. John wrote. Okay. And so they, they throw in sabotage songs just like for the fans of sabotage. Yeah. And these people never heard right. of sabotage, love these songs. And you're like, right. well, you didn't know these songs. Yeah. Like, they've, they've added all this stuff. And then last few tours, Zach has come aboard. Oh, fine. So they do some songs from his tenure of oh, sabotage. Okay. And But when they do, um, when TSO did do tours where they're non Christmas albums, they play smaller venues. Oh, I just really. With I, less, yeah. um, less, less spectacle. Okay, yeah, I really thought they only toured around the holidays as Trans Siberian and their whole niche was uh, Christmas. And I kind of, that kind of like kept me away. So yeah. this is good to know. See, people who don't know this, it's yeah. good to know. Now you know. Yeah. But, um,. In 2017, while on tour with Transparent Orchestra, Paul O'Neill passed away. Oh. And um, apparently it was, it was um, an accidental overdose. He, he recently had back surgery. Okay. And so his pain meds and his sleep meds interacted. Yeah, it's not a good combo. No. Please be careful, everyone. So, um, but, you know, they continued on. Mm-hmm. Because, you know. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it's sad, but... The show must go show, on. Yeah, there was too much riding on it. Yeah. But um, over the last three and a half decades, Sabotage have created a worldwide cult following because they never broke through at a big level. Just stayed right up, right this, underwater. Yeah. Yeah. But they, their fans are dedicated. I'm one of them. I know you are. I know. I love Sabotage. I know you do. And a lot of other bands over since then have mm. considered them an influence on the progressive and power metal genres. Yeah. Yeah, that, I could definitely see yeah. that as the power metal, yeah. And um, I mentioned um, John Oliva had John Oliva's Pain and mm-hmm. Zach had Circle to Circle, but the other members have also had bands. Oh, I mentioned Dr. Butcher. Yeah. Um, oh, was that also just a band? That was a band, yeah. That Dr. was Butcher. early 90s. That was when John had left Sabotage. John and guitarist, rhythm guitarist Chris Caffrey. Right. That, they did like an album and like an EP, I think. So Dr. Butcher was the band's name. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Oh. And, and um and then Doc Kildrums had a band called Reverence. Okay. And then um his replacement in Sabotage, Jeff Plate joined Metal Church. Oh wow. At Jeff Plate Music, you can check him yeah. out. I'm looking on. He him seems now. like he's oh, most of these guys. He seems like he still has a whole head of hair. Yeah, he does. I'm so jealous. Oh wow, he really does. Yeah. There he is. There. Look, he's wearing. Look at shirt he's wearing. Oh, that, let me see. Oh, that's when he was signing the hourglass. The one that inch. you just got. Yeah, I don't have a signed one because I didn't have. Oh, I didn't have ninety dollars yeah. to drop on it. 
I love how he's look. It looks like he's living in a very modest house. Like it seems like all the guys in the band when they see pictures of their yeah. homes, they all live modestly. I love that. They haven't let all this transubian yeah. orchestra success go to them. They have just like yeah, uh, that's great. That makes me happy. I like that stuff. That's a. <laughs> oh wait, who's this signing them? This is another guy. He's. Let me see. I think it might be the picture. Yeah, it's, that's Zach Stevens. Okay, he's signing them too. Yeah. So yeah, so. So Vince recently, uh, Sabotage have released the um, a ten inch picture disc of the song um, "The Hourglass" from the Wake and Magellan album. How they picked this, the release as right. a single, twenty three years after it came out, is beyond me. It's but a beautiful it's record. It's a beautiful picture disc. Beautiful it's a, picture disc. Um, and they were included on the B side. It's two um, songs from the. Um, Edge of Thorns sessions. So you could have had the they obviously they they had some signed ones that they did on their website on, on sabotage that were like ninety bucks. Yeah, and, and they th- sold out in a couple hours. Right, they sold out. So you can see that they're they have a good yeah. following. The people well, that are loyal to well, them. The the um, hourglass picture. There's two thousand copies. Yeah. So they did. The band had some. It was, some signed was mine, and they numbered them. They're all hand numbered. Mine's not signed, but it is numbered. It's four ninety one out of two thousand. Um, that's still really cool. That's exciting. Yeah. Um, and I met Chris Caffrey mm-hmm. once because he was um, playing in Doro Pesh's band for the U.S. tour. And he opened with his solo band. And I met, I got a picture of him. We're given the medal and he signed my um, Dead Winter Dead CD booklet. But um, in 2021, this year, mm-hmm. Sabotage announced that their back catalog was going to be ratio on vinyl. Yes. Hourglass being one of those. And as part of his announcement, John said that the band had been writing new music and the fans might be in for something very special next year. Ooh. Now, he said he refuses to say to sabotage your back. Uh Uh-huh. Because he says as soon as he says it, something's going to happen to make him look like an asshole. Oh, gosh. So he won't say it, even though he said that they've that him and the members have been writing together. So who said that? John Oliva said it. Because for over the years, he's been like, all the members have been saying ever since two thousand one, they're all like, "We would love to do sabotage. We'd love that. We they, they, all the members love the band, and they would love to do it." But you know, it's all it comes it comes down to John. Um, and so John has always been like, "I don't know, I don't know. No, it's dead. Oh, I'd love to do it because they all it's this love they all have of each other." Yeah. Now, Mike, <laughs> how? That was the singer from Metal Church. Okay. Did he just recently? Pass? Yes, he did. Okay, because um, so. It looks like they're all very active on their uh, Instagram, Facebook, yeah. and on Jeff Plate's um, thing. He had Mike Howe had did an interview with from Little Punk People, which is oh a, yeah, that's a, a group. Yeah, yeah, that's it's great. A, yeah, a group of younger, young, young yeah, very young, very young um, fans. The, their of interview the punk with and Steel metal. Panther is great. And so I saw where he uh, Mike um, Howe had did an interview with them, um, and that looks really cool. Which was on um, YouTube. So, by all accounts, Mike Cow was just a oh, great human being. Yeah. Because you know how some people will all you know if someone's a dick, people will talk shit on them. Yeah, yeah. No one has anything bad to say about Mike Cow, and I regret not seeing Metal Church when they were yeah. in the area two years ago on their last tour. They all seem like they're very humble people, yeah. which is very cool. Because Mike Cow was a carpenter when he wasn't doing Metal Church. Oh, wow. Apparently, well, he was re- he was a master carpenter. Very per- cool. Yeah, it's just it, metal church to me. I know a lot. There's a lot of metal church fans that like the original singer David Wayne. Uh huh. But my metal church was Mike Howe. Okay. 
So when he left, when he wasn't in the band, they did albums with Ronnie Monroe singing, and then when, well, David Wayne came back, and then Ronnie Monroe. I don't like those albums, but when Mike Hal came back, I was like, oh, my metal church is back. Mm-hmm. And it helped that Jeff Plate was in the band too. Oh, cool. At the time. But I have a, um, the first time they did when um, Mike came back, I have a, the signed edition. So it's signed by all the members. Yeah. So. That's really cool. Yeah. I, I'm, it's, I really like he, he learning about new bands that I wouldn't have otherwise um, take a second guess to. <laughs> and like seeing like they're, they're cool people, not just, yeah. you know, some a-holes out there that can be a lot of musicians. So. That's cool. I'm almost at the end here. You are. Okay. I'm going to wrap up. Wrap it up. So, Power of the Night, mm-hmm. get back to the whole album oh, we're talking about, yes. Treasure of the Bargain, mm-hmm. my 50 cent record. You 50 cents. I'll make, real, real quick. Yeah. So, this ties in to one of our, episode two. Yeah, our road trip. Yep. Yeah. So, remember, we said that we had been at Rock and Roll Graveyard last year. Yes. And we had lunch at a cafe down the street from it. Mm-hmm. Now, this is part we didn't talk about. Okay. But it brings in, because we said we were Rock and Roll Graveyard last year. Because yeah. this happened in between Rock and Roll... No, no, Rock and Roll Graveyard wasn't open yet. Because we went to lunch first. Yes, we went to lunch then first, they, and then they opened. Because it was COVID, everything so yep, was open everything late. just shut down. So I was looking at um, Instagram of this record store we go to. I'm not going to say the name of it, because mm-hmm. I don't want to give up um, a good location where we find really great stuff cheap. We're not giving you our stuff. We gave up a, a, rock, a record road trip. We gave up a lot of good names, because they're not you know, nearby. But this one was nearby. But he posted some Sabotage records. And he had Dungeons Are Calling for 30 bucks. And if you're a Sabotage fan, you're saying, holy fuck right now. Because 30 bucks is amazing. And I, I and I told Bobby, I said, that's going to be gone. So, yeah. the next day we went to this record store. And we're going through New Arrivals. And he said, Dungeons Are Calling is gone. Yeah. But he had Fight for the Rock. I think it's a promo. Yeah, it is a promo. Mm-hmm. For $7. Hmm. And then I went into his um, cheap room, mm-hmm. and that's where I found Power of the Night in the 50 cent box. And I think Bobby might have heard me go, <gasps> yeah, like I usually do when I find something. <laughs> like we were at a record store, and I found a signed copy of um, Fate's Warnings, um, Perfect Symmetry, signed by mm-hmm. Frank Arresti, the rhythm guitar player. And I was like, <gasps> it's quite interesting because you know that's actually when he's, that's it's, when it's like actually, jackpot. Actually, it's higher pitched than that. I can't replicate it, <laughs> but um. It's, that's the jackpot sound. It's jackpot like, sound. Woo-hoo. But um, Power of the Night, get back to my whole th- the beginning. Mm-hmm. It has been reissued on CD in 1997, mm-hmm. 2002, and 2011, each time with different bonus tracks. Oh, so you collectors out there, you have to get them all. Yeah. And I only have, I think, I, I think mine is the 2002 mm-hmm. version. I don't know which I can't. I know I don't have the 2011 one. I think it might be 2000. Maybe 97. I don't know. I have one of the reissues. Yeah. I'd love to have all three of them. Oh but. sure, and that's that's how they get you, and that's, that's how they get like, you. And being that's a why collector, you're like, oh god, I, I have to. I have think all it these. was it was 2011 or in 2014 they reissued them on vinyl. All the sabotage stuff on vinyl then. Yeah. And then it went out of print, and they're like, if you go on eBay, like something like Edge of Thorns is going to run you mm-hmm. like 200 bucks. Yeah. I was I got the um, 2014 I think it was or 2017 reissue of Wake of Magellan on vinyl, mm-hmm. and we were at a 
record store. I'm not giving the name of this one either because it's a good one. I'm not. You're not getting our. You're not getting Sorry, our. Sorry, guys. You're not getting our hunt, one of our honey spots. <laughs> I got the um, Poets and Madmen German pressing. It's a two record set picture disc. Yeah. I think I got. I think he sold it to me for forty bucks because the original guy. He told me. Oh yeah. Because he said, no, I think it's forty. He pulled off the wall and he was like, yep. Oh, it's sixty. I, I was like, oh. He's like, but I already told you forty. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, so. And, and I'd already dropped a whole bunch of money there. Or I would. He also had a first pressing of um, Hall of the Mountain King for like yeah. forty bucks. If I had more money, I should have bought it. But anyway, it was you. very kind because you know yeah. I think um, a lot of record stores were like you're you're shit out of luck because it is right. sixty. But right. He, but I think a lot of them too that they can sense um, a real fan, real fan, or or real, it might have been the fact that I went. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like he almost hyperventilated. Yeah. yeah, that could have been that could have been the dead giveaway for him to be like, okay, I want to give it to you for forty. All right, all right. refocus. Refocus. Wrap so, it up. All right, me wrap up. So back when Power of the Night was released by Atlantic Records in 1985, mm-hmm. no one could have predicted that Sabotage would morph in to Transbarian Orchestra. That's true. And the, that band's worldwide success mm-hmm. would happen because. Of their meeting with Paul O'Neill, yeah, who was brought to the band because of Jason Flom, the A and R guy from Atlantic Records. Yeah. So if they had never signed with Atlantic, mm-hmm. Transbarian Orchestra never would have happened. That's true. If they had signed with like CBS Records, well, CBS at the time, or you know, or EMI or something, right, it would have been completely different. Mm-hmm. Paul O'Neill never would have entered the picture. And, and that for Paul band, O'Neill to have that idea too, yeah. he's like, "Hey, I have an idea." Yeah, so it, it changed. If you think of all the people in the band, mm-hmm. well, not just Sabotage members, all the people from Chance to Be an Orchestra, oh, yeah. all their lives are changed by this one decision that um, Chris and John made mm-hmm. the sign of Atlantic. It's very moving. <laughs> it's very cool. So it's awesome that just one this album mm-hmm. created. Uh, a life for so many people. Yes. So many people. So it's really, it's it's amazing. It is very cool. And for once, even though there's death involved in my story, mm-hmm. I have a happy ending. That's true. You do. So and that br- brings us to the end of part one. Part one. Part one. So part two, we're going to get to come back and talk about one of my... You're going to hear her just... Yeah. Lather up Rod Stewart. Rod St- oh, lather up Rod Stewart. <laughs> oh. But yes, so we'll be coming back talking to faces. So take a break, get a drink, and come back and check us out. All right. Bobby. Vincent. Do you know what I like? What do you like? I like when our listeners go to bittersweetandtwistedrecords.com. I like that too. Do you know why I like it? I'm not sure. Because mm-hmm. there people will find a link to our eBay store where oh, they can yes. buy records, CDs, mm-hmm. cassettes, movies, mm-hmm. shirts, posters. Anything that you could think of. And you know why I like when people go there and buy stuff? Because we get more followers and friends. That too, but I also like money. Yes, money's nice. And if you want to give us money and you are our friend... You can also go to the merch link on our website, and you can buy some t-shirts with our logo. Yes, which is a nice logo. It's a very nice logo, and we're going to have a variation on it coming up soon. Mm -hmm. Maybe by the time you hear this, it'll be out. But we don't know yet, because I can be lazy sometimes. And that variation would 
correlate with the playlist, which is a standalone playlist. It doesn't follow any other episodes, but it's 24 punk songs, 12 that Vince had chose, 12 that I had chose, that um, we feel that represents a lot of the um, the time period of the punk genre. Um, it's a lot of early punk. Yeah, a lot I mean, of early it, punk. It, it, it stretches from early days of mm-hmm. punk into when it morphed into post-punk. Yeah. But we also have, we decorated our Raven, Raven logo. logo with its own personality to represent the, the punk, punk rock. With the, which is... He's had a mohawk mm-hmm. and a safety pin in his beak. It's very cool. And so we're going to do more standalone playlists. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're going to do it. I don't want to give away what we're going to do. No. But let's just say our ranges, we have a very broad you're gonna be, range. You're going to be a lot of um, WTF. <laughs> You're like, what is going on? What is going on? Because um, I, I, we both are a huge, huge music yeah, well, connoisseurs. As we I say, like as say. we say in every episode, mm-hmm. we like variety. We do, we do. Variety is the spice of life. That's what yeah. they say. And also on our website, mm-hmm. you can find other links to mm-hmm. um, other platforms for the podcast. Yes. And when you go to these different. The one of your choice. You mm-hmm. can like, subscribe, follow, share. Please, please do. And if you know if we're not your cup of tea, like I like to say, please share it with someone that we may we may be. And um, hopefully they will share it with their friends. And then we will just keep continuing to grow fans. Hopefully. That would be great. Because we, we love doing this. We love um, talking to each other. And we love that you're listening We love to a us good jibber-jabber. We do. We are great jibber-jabberers. And we also have links to our Instagram, our Facebook, mm-hmm. and as I say every episode, yes, TikTok is not listed there. Not, not as of yet, because we have not figured out how to. We have a TikTok. It. We do, but we haven't put anything on it. No, I need. Um, I'm going to need Hannah for that one. Yeah, that's my daughter. She'll tell her. Do yeah, she'll tell us. <laughs> um, anything else we need to? I don't think plug so. In? No. So we think we're going to jump right into it. So this is. Part two. Of Treasures in the Bargain Bin. Mm-hmm. Um, if you haven't listened to part one, Vince goes on to talk about what his treasure was, was Sabotage. Power of the Night. Power of the Night album. And I'm going to jump right into talking about um, the album A Knot is As Good as a Wink to a Blind Horse, which is by the band Faces. Um, so here I go. So this album was the um, third album in the what's the word I'm going to discography discography yes thank you discography um, of the band faces I'll start with uh, how how it became to be faces so faces was formed in 69 by members of the band small faces uh, which had the lead singer uh, Steve Marriott and he left to form the band humble pie Uh, he was replaced by lead singer Rod Stewart, whoop whoop, and yeah. Ronnie Wood. We have we're this is the fourth episode of the podcast, mm-hmm. and so far out of the <laughs> three out of the four episodes have mentioned Rod Stewart. I, I know. I'm sorry. I, I just love Rod. We, I can't help it. I think we might might have to um do a Rod Stewart only podcast. Oh my gosh, we'll Rod! It, if we'll you're out it, there, we'll call it the good Rod Stewart. Oh, if you want to come and just give me a call, we'll yeah. talk. We'll talk yeah. music. Um. But yes, I, I am a big fan of Rod Stewart. Um, so it was Rod Stewart and Ronnie Wood, um, who were both from the band Jeff Beck group originally. Um, 
So the remaining of the small faces were Ronnie Lane, Ian McLang, and Kenny Jones. So how? So originally there was small faces. Mm-hmm. So when Ronnie, why were they small faces? <laughs> so because they were all very small, short. Were they um, gentlemen? Were they four eleven like Dio? <laughs> Dio is not four eleven. That's what Harold's. <laughs> Zabrowski, Harry Zabrowski from last podcast had mentioned that he Dio was four eleven. I looked it up. It's Google says he's five four. I don't know. It could be. That might be a know, little generous. Might be a little generous. Maybe that's when Dio wore his shoes. Yeah, maybe when he wore his, heels. his elf heels. Yeah. So the original members were all short in stature, um, but when they reformed, um, one of the one of the members mentioned that they could no longer be called small faces because. Stuart and Wood were both around 5'8 in height. So they were giants compared to those four giants, foot 11 guys. Right? So when I would Google images, you would you could see Stuart and Rod or God, Stuart and with Rod's hair, he must have right, been at least 5'9. Like, at least 5'9. <laughs> and Ronnie Wood, um, who were both, you know, this is the 70s. Yeah. So they were all wearing platform shoes or shoes with heels. Um, so in the picture that I saw, uh, Wood and Stewart looked ginormous compared to everyone else. But I know that really wasn't the case. So because of their height differences um, and that comment, they went on to be called just faces because, you know, they were all taller. So when faces um, went on, they didn't have much um, success with their first or second album. Um, but around the same time as this album was being released, Rod Stewart had also signed his um, um, solo deal. Solo deal, and um, his big hit "Maggie May" was released. Yeah. So, with the release of "Maggie May," may have helped. Maybe I don't know, but it may have helped push um, a not as as good as a wink to a blind no. horse as being, um, becoming a really good um, seller. So what was the um, single that helped this Faces album sell? So this was the, um, the pr- this album produced the song um, Stay With Me, yep. which was th- this album's <laughs> huge hit. Uh, it went on to be number six on the US Billboard Top 200 albums because of this, uh, this song, and it went on to become number two on the UK albums charts. I mean, there was plenty of other great songs that were on this album. One in particular that I really, really like um, is Memphis, which was originally written and played by Chuck Berry, which um, I think is an amazing rendition. It's a, it's a great song. Um, I remember growing up Oh, gosh, I remember growing up. I don't even know what I saw. I remember seeing Chuck Berry. I was a really young little girl, and I remember Chuck Berry. He was with George Thorogood when okay. he first started. And I remember Chuck Berry going across that stage doing yeah. his little foot kick. Yeah. And I was enthralled. Enthralled. Um, but, yeah, so that song is a great song. I mean, he has other ones in there, like Miss Judy's Farm, You're So Rude, Last Orders Please, Debris, Too Bad, and That's All You Need are some of the other songs on the album. Um, but so this came out on, um, the first pressing was on the Warner Brothers label. Mm-hmm. It has the, uh, the album that I found in the cheap bin or the bargain bin. Bargain bin. Um, it's pretty good shape. Yeah. Um, it has the original inner cover, 
the first pressing, when it was released, they came out with, um, it also included a poster, which was many, like, Snapchat. Snapchat? Snapchats, oh my goodness. Oh, guys, these guys, time Snap, travelers. Yes, they're time travelers. Snapshots of the band and various... Groupies. Yeah, and groupies. So there was titties. There were a lot of boobies and a lot of, like, nudity. Um, but it was, it was a big poster. I'm not sure exactly the size of it, but um, it's a pretty big poster. But when Warner Brothers released that, they, they second-guessed themselves with releasing that um, and releasing those images in the, in the um, record. So they went ahead and re-released the album a few weeks after the initial mm. release without the poster. So out there on eBay, I have looked because I'm, I'm feeling a little... Um, jade it because i don't have my poster and i want it um so i looked up to see the prices of it and for about 35 dollars you can get the first pressing and that's including the poster i mean uh, it's not in the best shape a lot yeah. of them but you know that's just the starting out bids so um you can find it out there there was only <laughs> two when i looked but um so that's so i'm determined to get that poster i would love to be able to find it in a dig Versus having to buy it because yeah. it's just not the same uh, uh, feeling no, or, you know. I mean, but yours, I mean, yours could be one of those ones without issued immediately without the poster. Or it could have had the poster taken out because it, it does have the green label. Right. So it's definitely an early pressing. Right. So, yeah. So when it was re-released, um, so it had many different re releases, releases over the years. And reissues over the year because it's a great album. But this album in particular, um, on the cover of it, it ha it's a live or a real picture of a live performance of the band, um, you know, just on stage. Um, and everyone, it's not even a stage. It looks like the floor and everyone's just sitting there next to them. Well, the front kind of looks like they're yes. standing, yeah. but look at everybody's just sitting. Oh, yeah, they're not even on a stage. Yeah, so it's, it's a live performance. Um, and then on the back with what I love is um, it's like a clay clay characters little of, puppets or, or little puppets or statues of the band. They, they look like marionettes. Exactly. They look like marionettes. Um, you know, the typical Rod in his matching jacket and pantsuit and, um, and their heels spiky on. Hair. Their sp his spiky hair. And it's the whole band. And then in the back, it's a plaid horse. Which I say, I don't know if it's running from them or it right. has its, because it's tail's up. I don't the know if tail it's... is up. Is it getting ready to take a dump from them? Or is yeah. it just running and its hair is frolicking? Frolicking? Not frolicking. What's the word I'm looking for? Frolicking. Thank you. Frolicking in the, in the wind behind yeah, him. And Rod's got his um, scarf. Of course. You Rod's got, got a scarf. Yeah, a scarf. I tell you, Rod well, can dress. Even in uh, marionette form, he can dress. He yeah. always has the best suits. I and really. The Ronnie Wood uh, one has a cigarette. Has a cigarette. Out. You gotta love that. Yeah. Ronnie Wood's got that cigarette hanging. That's great. So, and the Rod one has the Rod nose. Mm hmm Yep. Of poor. Of course. Poor Rod. <sighs> poor Rod. He's still a gorgeous man. Poor Rod with all of his money. Oh yeah, poor Rod and all the the all that the booty he got. Yeah, I was, oh, I was saying all goodness. that poontang he's gotten over the years. Yeah, so mine did come with the original inner, which is really nice. Yeah. Which of course has the um, Warner repraise. Um, it's kind of like a mail order form. Mail order form, yeah. So you can get. I think is it the compilation albums or? 
the funny thing is, look at the deer. It says deer fat cats. Like, is that the, uh, <laughs> yeah. like, that's yeah. kind of funny. Yeah, the fat cats at the record. Oh, yeah, it is for the compilation albums. Yeah. I'm surprised that it only has, well, it's got some split scenes. Some split scenes, but it's a really good find for, you know, I mean, you got to think about how old this is. This came out in 71. I mean, yeah. that's six years before I was even thought about coming into this world. So I'm just um, looking at what was on these compilation albums there. Yeah. I just love it. Um just just great. I mean, Rod just has that unique sound and um which is amazes me that throughout all these years, all the way up until now, he has not lost that sound and it's just um he still has just a great voice. But um so this album, it's never gone out of print, technically. Um so in 2010, this it was the vinyl was remastered and re-released uh, with two. Well, so no, the two live bonus tracks were added in the C- release of 2015. Was the, which, the, the CD were they on or vinyl and CD? The vinyl show? and CD. Okay. Um, so in August um, 2015, it, the album was remastered in expanded form, which included those two live bonus tracks. Um, it even also, that was horrible English, but it also <laughs> came with the replicated poster. That's cool. From the original release, which I thought was really cool. So it's not the original poster, but it's, you know, I mean, how cool is that? I wonder um, if they censored the re-release poster. Yeah, I'm curious as to as to that as well. And also, what made them, the, um, the record label in the beginning, go, you know what? I'm not gonna. I don't like it. Let's not do it. Let's re-release it and run it without the poster. They I mean, might have been afraid of getting sued. Yeah, I mean, you originally had stated that, but at the same time, it was re-released and. Well, they probably figure all those titties are dead now. Oh, poor boobies. Because it's been like 50 years. Well, yeah, but I mean, Rod's still rocking it. So, I mean, the likelihood, you know, females take care of themselves a lot. Uh, what do you think the chances of like men. some 70-year-old ladies <laughs> gonna buy the reissue and be like? <gasps> My titties are in here. I'm going to sue. I guess. I don't know. I, I would surely be like, those were my boobies there with Rod and Ronnie. Like, I don't know. That would I'm just be me. Sh- I'm sure it was with Rod and Ronnie. I believe At the that. same time. <laughs> I do. But so, so you know, when this faces, um, this album, you know, it, it skyrocketed. And um, like I said, you don't know if it was because of the um, it was success of Rod. It was probably because of Rod having the hit. Possibly, but how, many, but, but how many people do you wonder heard "Stay with Me" on the radio and didn't know they heard the voice? Like that's true. the Maggie May guy. And went in record stores going. Yeah, we want to we want to get the album with Maggie May. Yeah, no, no, they go. We want the Rod Stewart "Stay with." Me. Oh, "Stay with and Me" album. Was, and the record stores are like, "What are you talking about?" Yeah, that's true. Maybe it, probably, it might have. I mean, you don't know. Did it? Did it? Did Rod solo it help right. that, or did it hurt it? Right. The confusion. I don't know. being sold and the band at the same time. But, I mean, Maggie, I think Stay With Me is just as good as um, Maggie May. I mean, Maggie May is a great song, but I really do like Stay With Me. And I think any of, I mean, this album, to me, as a as a fan, I think it just rock, it's a rocking album. It it's is. great. It's a great album. Um, so this, you know, you would think that maybe, you know, because this was went onto the charts um, in 71, but this album went on to help some, you know, with the careers, um, takeoffs um, for all for all the people, even for the original singer, Steve Marriott. 
he went on to uh, to form the the band um, Humble Pie, which mm-hmm. is I know that name from the seventies. I think it's a I don't know, but yeah, they um, had some hits. They're, they did have some uh, hits. I'm trying to think who else. And Jerry Shirley was the drummer. I can't remember who else is in that band. But um, they played. They were together until 1983. So. Well, a couple years ago, Jerry Shirley got the rights to the name. Mm. And sometimes he'll play with them, mm-hmm. but a lot of times he'll just send out guys with the under the humble pie oh, name. So it's like there's a version that goes out there and does shows of no original members. Well, yeah. He sits home and just like um, Iron Butterfly, the um, drummer owns the name now, mm-hmm. and he had, sometimes he plays with them, sometimes he doesn't. Yeah, what I think is about interesting with Steve because he was the the front man of the of the band, so he realized like you know after he left Small Faces and he formed Tumble Pie and they were together till eighty three. He actually kind of left the 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 big world of music, the music industry, and I mean the big world meaning like the big companies, um, you know, the big recording so he, companies. So he went indie. He, yeah, he really he really did. He realized like that really wasn't the life for him. He didn't like that. He didn't like um, all that notoriety. Um, so he turned his back completely on the big recording companies, and he decided to just um, tour his local pubs and bars. That was mm-hmm. more his scene. He liked to be, I think, with the people, um, with that group, um, you know. And I get that. I can I can yeah. see that. I mean, you like when people stay humble haha humble yeah because i mean you look on i mean rod for his whole life i mean the he has been going strong since the 60s yeah and he still has i mean look how many followers and fans that he has i mean that's constantly being in the being in the uh the public eye for all those years i mean that takes a a certain kind of person i um, I don't think i could do it did you know we drop um we drop a little pointless no i love that i love that so, back in mm, around 1990, 91, mm-hmm. model Rachel Hunter was dating Kip Winger. Yes. From Winger. Winger. And she left him for Rod Stewart. Um, now that you say that, I do actually believe I knew that in the back and of my folds of my brain. But she's, <laughs> taller than bo- she's taller than both of them. Oh, well, yeah, she's a supermodel. Yeah. So I don't know. Is that with their hair down or their hair (laughs) up? I don't know if she ever married Rod or not. I, you know, I don't know. Because he's had like fifteen thousand wives. I ignore that because he's my Rod. I don't. Uh I I don't know him with any other females. (laughs) But so Steve, so Steve, let's get back to Steve. Uh, because he was the original founding member. Um, so, yeah, he decided to just play for his local pubs and bars um, in and around his um, England. His um, England. His England. So he, unfortunately, in 91, he passed away in a house fire. Um, they believe that that fire was supposedly started by one of his cigarettes. Mm-hmm. And the house just quickly engulfed. And he was unfortunate to make it out. So, um so he kind of had a sad ending to his career, to his life. But do all of our I treasures mean, from the bargain bin have to be such? Downers? I feel like I feel like they do because our treasures from the bargain bin, a lot of them are older bands. I mean, you're looking at people that were adults in the. 
I'm in gonna, the early 70s. So I think next time we do a Treasures in the Bargain Bin, we're gonna have to find. I'm gonna all find alive. a record where no one dies. Oh, or no, no one has a horrendous. Uh, no life. I no don't one know. dies in a house fire. No one overdoses. No one gets killed in a car crash. But I feel no like one that's... has a brain aneurysm. I feel like the life of the artist is a tough one. I don't feel like it's ever really an easy one because even when you you hit it and you make it big, you still either you you you've coast off of that uh, that fame, or you have to constantly keep producing, and that can be over. I don't know. We got to we got to have a happy story. I don't know. We got to have a happy story. Well, I mean, so for faces, um, we know the we know the story for Rod. I mean, we don't have to go into too, too and much detail. He's still about, going. Well, let's talk about Ronnie Wood. Okay, let's talk about Ronnie Wood. So, Ronnie Wood, he's released two solo albums of his own. He later on went to... He joined... He, didn't he, after the faces, didn't he join another band? He did. He went on to travel. I mean, they weren't that big, but... Yeah. He went on to travel with the Rolling Stones, and he eventually joined the Stones as a permanent member in 75. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you don't know Ronnie Wood, you know, and when it comes, to, when it comes to the Rolling Stones, he's the kid in the band. Right? I know. <laughs> so, you know, there you go. So he joined in 75. So he's, all, he's the kid. He's like 72 yeah. or something. He's yeah. the young one. So Ronnie's still going strong just as well as Stuart. Sometimes that always amazes me because you know these guys partied. Yeah. You know, they had a good it, it, time. It, it makes you feel kind of shitty sometimes. You see these old guys on stage, like a Mick Jagger, you know, yeah. out there, chicken walking all energy. And then you're, oh my and sometimes you go to get off the couch, you're like, ah! I'm like, what the hell are they taking? What what multivitamin are they yeah. taking that we need to be taking at their age? I think, but... I think it's called uh, millions of dollars. <laughs> well, maybe that's it. And hiring, you know, and yoga not have instructors. A, Freaking worry in the yeah. world. Yeah. So let me go and talk about the other. So there's Ronnie Lane. So, Which he did the song Debris on the album. Yes. He, he did he uh, actually, yeah, so he three did, songs, didn't he? Ronnie did. He, um, there are three songs specifically that he was. Um, that he sang. Right. Um, and two songs that he solely um, wrote, which was Last Orders, Please, and Debris. Debris was the B-side of um, Stay With Me. Okay. The single. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's a really good song. But he also wrote You're So Rude with McLaggen. And, yeah. or, and, um, Who also played with the Stones, didn't correct. he? Correct. He, yeah, he did. He, um, yes. Well, He, he, he wasn't Jones, a member. He was a touring member. Right, he was a touring member, but then he replaced the deceased Keith Moon in The Who. No, 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 no. You're, no, no. Oh, who are you no, talking about? I'm talking about the keyboard player. Oh, McLaggen. Ian tore with the Stones tour. And then Kenny yes. Jones joined the Who. Yes, and Kenny Moon Jones. Died. Yes, so sorry. So Kenny Jones. Well, you know, I think it's deceased. like a glass of wine. That's probably. I think it's like a pet too. We have, we have, we have fun. We do the podcast. Yeah. So let me re- restart this. So Kenny Jones replaced the deceased Keith Moon of the Who and joined them in '78. Mm-hmm. Ian McLagan, um, who wrote some of the songs. Um, Looks like actually he just wrote that one with um, Lane, which was Love Lives Here, and it was also with Stuart too, who wrote that. Mm-hmm. Um, but Ian would let later become he was a touring musician uh, with Rod Stewart. Um, I mean, he played in so many yeah. bands. I'm just gonna list just a few. He, okay. he played in the Rolling Stones, mm-hmm. which we mentioned, um, and Billy Bragg. Okay. Later on, um, and of course with uh, Rod Stewart as a solo artist throughout the years. 
Um, he also had several solo albums, um, which is nice to know. What's he doing now? Um, he unfortunately he passed away in December 2014 of a stroke. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, so it was kind of sad. But um, what about what about Ronnie Lane? Yeah, Ronnie Lane. That's another little bit of a sad story um, oh, for Jesus. the band. I know. I'm sorry. So Ronnie Lane, he left Faces after his role diminished um, within the band. He really wanted to have a more of an active role in the band as as far as writing, as performing. Mm -hmm. But of course, we know Stewart, he kind of overshadows everyone. Um, So Lane Lane left there. He was replaced by uh, the Japanese bass player Tetsu Yamauchi. so Lane later, technically he retired from the music industry in 77. And I say retired with the bunny ears, you know, the quotations, the quotations because he did, um, he did, um, fronted a few of his own bands and mm-hmm. did some solo work. Um, but he was having a lot of personal illnesses, um, that wasn't quite figured out, um, until later on. Which he was uh, diagnosed with um, MS, multiple sclerosis. Yeah. Um, But one thing I think that was really moving is when I was doing my research, I saw that um, when Faces was indicted into... Indicted? Indicted? Isn't that the Inducted. Inducted. Indicted is like court stuff, right? Yeah. So inducted. (laughs) Sorry, guys. He was (laughs) indicted. He was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, where the whole band was, um, and he was able to come to the um, ceremony when they performed. Mm. And he was in a wheelchair at the time because he could no longer um, walk. He could not perform um, playing his the instrument, but he was able to, you know, do some backing yeah. vocals with that. Um, and he was. So he passed away in 97 due to the complications of MS. So that's sad. But they all, for the most part, um, all really stuck together as a family, um, like we've, we've saw throughout most of our, especially these, your sabotage and mine. You see that they really kind of stick together. Me, um, me, um, throw, me throw in a little, another yeah. little nugget. Throw in a I little may. nugget. Please If don't. I may. You may. So... Since I like the name drop. You do like the name drop. Um, so, Kenny Jones, mm-hmm. I think it was in 89 or 90, mm-hmm. he formed a band with Paul Rogers of a bad company. Oh. They were called The Law. And actually, hmm. when we were on our record road trip, I saw the CD, but hmm. it, the book it was all water damaged. Oh, bummer. And stuck to the case. Oh, that's a bummer. It's a shame, so I was going to... Yeah, that would have been great to just kind of have that in the collection. Yeah, because their band, their band was called The Law. Okay. And they only had one album, and their single was called Miss You in a Heartbeat, which was oh. written by Phil Collin of Def Leppard. Okay. And they ended up recording their own version of it. So what year was that? That was in 89 or 90. That I was going to say, out. well, how young was um, Collins of... Collin, well, he joined Def Leppard in like 83, 84. Okay. I, I don't know. I guess I just picture it because Collins is... I'm sorry. Collin. Def Leppard is in my era from time that I remember being yeah. a young kid listening to. So therefore I think you that... You forget that they're in their 60s now? I, I forget that we are old. Yeah. <laughs> so I, in my head, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. like yeah, you had to be a baby Well, it, it, it reminds me, I, thought, <laughs> I saw this thing on Twitter, someone had posted that they, it's some magazine or something that interviewed some girl who's 20 mm-hmm. 
about uh, they asked her about a uh, what song something about what song sticks out in her memory yeah and it was a pixie song okay and she were, i remember my grandparents used to play this <gasps> oh my god no well you know i mean that's that's gonna be my grandchildren too right. so they're like i remember mom used to play danzig and slayer oh my god my grandma well i mean it's like you know it goes back to uh, i have three daughters listeners and my oldest is 23 and my middle is 21 and my youngest 17 so Aubrey, who's my middle daughter, she has a playlist on her um, Spotify account. It says, my mom's cooler than your mom. <laughs> and I love that because it's it has songs that she grew up listening to through me. Um, and, of course, it's a whole mix because of how much music I love. So she has, like, the Ramones on there. And she has, you know, um, Rod Stewart, I think. And then she has, like, uh, Blondie. Mm-hmm. And then she'll have, like, Nelly. <laughs> and ludicrous and so this huge plethora and I, I, uh, hold on do you know which nelly and ludicrous songs i think the nelly one is um oh my gosh um well it's the one that goes it's getting hot in here i don't even know what the song okay is. but anyway um ludicrous i'd have to look i'm not good with names so of songs but i'd have mm-hmm. to look i mean yeah Okay. But so it's kind of fun to me. So it's kind of nostalgic for me to see. And I, I, I feel all warm and fuzzy like, yay, I raised my kids right. They know a huge, <laughs> they know a huge, you know, plethora of music. Yeah. And so that's how, I mean, I hope, I mean, the, the thought of saying, hearing someone say that they heard their grandparents play the Pixies, well, it makes me be like, oh my God, I'm so yeah, old Yeah, it now. made me happy that a few weeks ago when we were out at mm-hmm. the um, brewery. Yeah. And we were talking about music, and we brought up um, Kiss Beth. Yeah. Kiss on Beth, and she was like, oh, it's such a good song. Yeah, I know, right? I'm like, yay, my <laughs> daughter knows you know, know who's, knows who that is. But, um, yeah, I, I get that. I feel like that's going to be, you know, me as a grandparent. I'm going to make sure my kids, you know, know punk and uh, know all kinds of all kinds of music. So I hope... I hope that they maybe will listen to our iPod, our podcast and be like, oh yes. They're like, oh. They're like, these are too long. Oh, probably. But you know what? (laughs) Whatever. We enjoy them. We'll listen to episode three. It's only an hour. (laughs) So that's that's pretty much all I have on on this album, particularly. So um, so what are the faces doing now? Jeez faces doing now they have should i believe that there's talk of a reunion reunion coming up but i mean i don't know who I mean, it, it was um, rod it was um yeah because ronnie said it in an interview because he was promoting some live album he has coming out yeah that was recorded like 10 years ago or something right but uh, yeah it's it's ronnie um kenny jones and rod stewart have been ronnie, recording ronnie, ronnie, wood. ronnie wood ronnie wood yeah, yeah they didn't bring back um ronnie oh, lane from the no, no, dead they didn't so it's wood uh, wood jones and stewart have been recording new music yeah so that's exciting so i i'm curious to see that i mean we know that stewart's voice hasn't changed much at Not all much. so i'm curious to see how it would yeah. be once they're all back together and oh my gosh if they went on tour oh my god because what they the faces before i think it was before ian had died they got yeah. back together without rod right and they had uh, mick hucknell from simply red mm-hmm. which I like Simply Red. I, I do as well. But it's Mick Hucknall has a great voice. Great voice. But it's not right for the faces. Yeah. Because it has no gravel to it. It's really clean. Yeah. It's really clean. Where Rod has that distinguishable like, gravel. gravel to it. And like, and I, like I've like i said before, 
as a fan of the choir boys, right? Spike would have been Ooh, the be perfect good. replacement singer in the faces. Mm-hmm. There's a, a clip on YouTube of Spike and a couple of the guys from Choir Boys mm-hmm. and a couple of guys from Cinderella mm-hmm. doing Stay With Me. Oh my gosh, all the scarves, I can imagine. There's like 15,000 scarves on stage. <laughs> oh, gotta love the scarves. Somehow there's more scarves on stage than band members. Yeah, I believe that, I believe that. Yeah, that, I mean, that would... I could see that, absolutely. But yeah. we don't need a new lead singer no, right now. Since Rod's Rod. back with them. Rod's, you know, Rod's alive and well. So, um, yeah, I think that'd be super, super cool. Um, I would love to, to see that. I think it would be a great um, contri- or tribute to some of the, you know, the originals. Um, you know, just to see the band keep going and staying alive. I think that'd be really neat. Um, but I'm, I love the old stuff, too. Love the old stuff. That's the original that yeah. brought them. Who, it's made them it's who they gonna are. be interesting to see if it's if they still have the same. Um, I don't say fire because when you're that right. old, usually they don't have fire. But I don't know. Just the, it's just I want it to sound like the faces. Maybe they all took their meds. Maybe yeah. they all took I mean, like something like Viagra. I, I, I want it to sound like faces. <laughs> I don't want it to sound like solo Rod. Uh huh. Because you know Rod has not been the same since like '81. Yeah. He's been he's done a lot of different stuff in the last forty whatever years, mm-hmm. but none of it has equaled. I, I personally, I don't think any of his stuff in the last forty years, which is a lot of what I like. Mm-hmm. I even like Love Touch. Yeah, has <laughs> um, equaled his work with the Faces or his early solo stuff. Yeah, absolutely. There's, I mean, there's, there's a, such. It's, I don't know. There's. I, I, it's a lot. It's a more has a more rock feel. It's more, it's like it's more raw. raw it's more, raw. yeah. It's more not edgy. as polished yeah. as his later stuff. Yeah, poppy. Um, but I have to say, if we're if we're gonna talk about Rod for a second, because I don't mind. <laughs> um, but that album that he did, where he was doing like a lot of the crooning, he did like four of those. I love those. Really? I do. I know it's weird. I do I had like them, all. them. I do like them. Because a couple of year, years ago, the live mm-hmm. no, it was no, it was last year. It was last year before COVID broke out when I went to that high school library sale. Oh, I remember that. And it was fill a, fill a tote of, um, for 10 yeah. bucks. Mm-hmm. And I, there was too many people buying books and I couldn't get into the tables. Mm-hmm. I filled up with CDs. Yeah. I don't know why. And I, the, I, got I, all like the, I got all Rod's crooner albums. Yeah. Covered. Then I gave you the greatest hits CD. You did. I gave mm-hmm. you a couple CDs from it. Mm-hmm. But I sold the crooner ones. I know you like those. Yeah, I, I do them. like them. It's just, it's different. I don't know <clears> why. It's different and... um. I, something about Rod's voice it just speaks to me and then after he did the crooner once he did like a Christmas album mm-hmm. then he mm-hmm. did like a, a rock covers it was called Still the Same like yep. rock classics but I think it was overproduced yeah but he did do a pretty good version of um, Bob Seger's Still the Same Nice. I don't know if I I don't, I, I don't remember that top yeah. off my head but, but he's I mean Rod, I could see him doing Seger it's funny that like Rod every couple years What's on that album? I know. I mean, good for you, Rod. I mean, I don't know what this longevity is that you have, but it's staying around. Because how yeah, old is he now? Seventy something, <gasps> like seventy five, seventy six. I mean, he's got to love music because he sure as hell doesn't need the money. Right? No, he definitely doesn't. But um, I mean, I think um, after we finish recording, I'm going to get out my Love Touch 12 inch promo. Well, that just sounds sexual. I love that song. <laughs> It's from from that. It was in that movie Legal Eagles. Uh huh. That Robert Redford movie. Redford movie. But it's funny. Like the twelve inch on the front, it says, you know, it's like 
something that was like single taken from the Bob Ezra produced album, whatever it was called. I don't know if it was it might have been called Rod Stewart. But he's got a good set of hair. Look at that hair on Rod Stewart. Sorry. And then there's like an asterisk mm-hmm. after the song Love Touch. It's the only song on the album not produced by Bob Ezrin. But the promo makes a point of saying from the Bob Ezrin produced album. So oh, when I used to do um background and like stand stand and work in movies and TV, mm-hmm. I was working on a movie in Philly. And I was at a parking garage waiting for him to get my car. Yeah. And I saw these guys, these two guys approaching, and one guy looked just like Rod Stewart. <gasps> Identical. What? He had the hair and everything, mm, that's it. and he had the, a scarf, like you know. And he's come closer, and I was like, "Oh shit, oh shit, is that Rod Stewart?" So funny. I was like, "I, I, I want to get a picture of Rod Stewart. If that's Rod Stewart." Oh, that's hilarious. And then I was, he kept coming closer. He looked. I was like, "Oh my god, what's Rod Stewart doing in Philly?" I was like, freaking out in my head. Yeah. I was like, "How do I approach him? I hope he's not. If I approach him, he's going to be a dick." Yeah. And then I would got, have done fainting. And then he got closer, and I noticed he didn't have the mole on his face. Oh, yeah. And then I heard him talking, he was like, yeah, in a stupid Philly accent. Oh, hmm. And I was like, whew. I was like relieved and disappointed. Yeah. Disappointed because it wasn't Rod Stewart and relieved that I wouldn't have to try to find a way to approach Rod Stewart. Oh, that's funny. So. How real, old is he? Oh, gosh. He was born in 45. He's I, 76. I said 76, 77. Wow. That amazes me. And I still think he's good looking. I don't know. But. Um, it says on here I just did a quick Google but he is one of the best selling music artists of yep. all times having sold over 250 million records worldwide um, how old Ronnie Wood? Ooh, let's see I don't know let's see Ronnie Wood how old are you? and he's the baby he's the baby in the stones <laughs> let's see I'm curious. The kid. The kid. <laughs> wow. I mean, he may be younger, but he doesn't look it. No. He's uh he's only two years younger. He's seventy four. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so <sighs> you do you remember like when we were look kids, how like someone said if you're forty five, you're like, Oh, you're done. You're yeah. so old. Yeah, you're yeah. Like you're you're forty five, you're like gray haired and ready to call it a day. You had to walk with a cane, and now yeah. it's like, you can be like 80, and you're like Mick Jagger running around. <sighs> hey, I mean, you're closer to 45 than I am. I am 45. So, exactly. <laughs> closer so... <laughs> to it. I'm closer to 46 now. So, I still, you know, I remember, I always heard, and uh, I used to work in a lot of nursing homes, and I would hear that the old people say, you know, the age is just a number, of course, you'd hear that. And you would also hear, uh, as you get older, your mind doesn't, but your body does. And I was just like, that stuck with me. And I'm like, oh, my God. And now I'm like, I completely get it. Completely. I still feel like I'm a kid, and but my body says, no, you're not. But, so, um, but yeah, you know, I mean, real quick looking on here on Google. Holy yeah. crud. Look at Ronnie Wood's discography. He's played with a lot of people. A lot of people. A lot of people. So, either way, so this is a great album. It's, if you don't know... It's probably the best Faces album, Absolutely. I and, I mean, it was it was stated as that, and that's why it got onto the chart. So, if you're new to checking out Faces or um, not knowing who Rod Stewart is, I don't you, know. You, you want to check, check out good Rod Stewart? <laughs> um, so, check this album out. It's, 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 it's fantastic. It's a great album. Um, I was really happy to find it in the bargain bin at such a... Um, what was it like a dollar, probably? Yeah, but... Two. 
pretty good shape with yeah. the original um, original inner, inner sleeve. I'm always so shocked really when we exciting. find the original inner sleeve. Me too. It is it's it is exciting. It's it's I love that. It's yeah. kind of gets you a little just extra little pep Ooh. in your step because you're like woohoo! It's got the original inners. So yeah. So check that out or check out anything that uh, you know either of the albums that Vincent and I have talked yeah. about tonight. Check it, yeah. Make sure you you know go to um, bittersweetandtwistedrecords.com. Check out our. Um, Spotify playlist link because mm-hmm. we will yeah. by the time you're hearing this we will have the um, playlist to go along with this episode we will. up so you'll have some mm-hmm. sabotage stuff on there not just stuff from Power of the Night right but stuff from their whole career mm-hmm. we'll have stuff from This Face's album up and absolutely f- from Ronnie both mm-hmm. Ronnie Ronnie Wood Ronnie Lane Rod um, we'll throw some up uh, we'll throw up Ichiku Park from Steve Marriott yeah. up. And Rod, if you're out there and his publicist is listening, you know, have him give me a call. We yeah, can have yeah, we can you, have a spot of tea. You have spot of tea. If you want to um, go on a podcast with 50 listeners, you uh, know, please <laughs> maybe, do it. Maybe we'll have more by then. I don't know. Yeah, or 52. Well, maybe 52. 52. But uh, please share it with anyone that you think that would yeah. that enjoy us and, and love learning a little bit of history of, yeah. in, in the music world. And we we appreciate it. We do appreciate it, and we hope that you enjoyed another episode we hope that your this is your fourth episode you're listening to yes if so kudos thank you to you Gracias. you are a glutton for punishment no um, and danka for our german yeah our, our, our two german our fans two german fans and i don't i i would thank my our belgian listener but i don't know I don't, if you're i don't know if you're in the um i don't know if you speak are you the, the french part or the belgian part i, I have no I idea i don't know what you guys speak there if you're that guy and you're listening Send us a message. We want to hear from. We want to hear, we from, want to hear from any listener. Unless you, yeah. unless you're, uh, be vulgar for a second. Okay. Unless you're like, fuck you, you suck. We don't yeah, want to hear from you. We don't want to hear from you. We don't if, care. If we're like, you're, if you want to say you're awesome, we're gonna buy some of your merch mm-hmm. and give you money. We we love you. We love you. Yeah. Even if you don't buy merch, we probably still love and, you anyway. And a shout out to that other person that's on that little tiny island. That out little there. island who listened to us. I mean, I love it. Thank you. Share it to the whole island. Add- Message us if you've listened to this episode. We want to know how you found us. How did you find us? Yeah. How did you end up stumbling upon us? Because that's... What caught your eye? Was it our awesome logo? It, it was probably the logo. Yeah, most likely. It's a, it is a really cool logo. Yeah. Maybe that... Most likely, they're probably just the meatloaf fan. <gasps> well, that's okay. If it led them to us. Yeah. Thank you. Well, I think we should end this before we keep rambling. Yeah, we could. Yeah, we got another two-hour episode probably. Yeah. But it's fine. You listen to half of it on your way to work. And then half, half on, the on the way, way home. home. Yes. Absolutely. So make sure you subscribe, like, follow, share. Please. Go to check out the website, bittersweetandtwistedrecords.com, mm-hmm. for all your Bittersweet and Twisted Records needs. Mm-hmm. And um, thank you, and, and make we'll sure see you, you come time. back for episode five. Please. Whenever that is. Absolutely. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye.